Chapter One of Stephen Mitchell's Journey. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Stephen Mitchell's Journey by Pansy. Chapter One An Uphill Start. Now, don't drive fast, Stephen. It looks as if it was going to be a warm day, and the horses had a hard pull of it yesterday. And mind you, don't leave the things with anybody but Baker. He's the one I made the bargain with, and I want him there to see that it is all right. Suppose he isn't there, said Stephen, laying one hand on the wheel of the large, old-fashioned farm wagon, and the other on his side, as he turned to look at the man in the gateway. He'll be there fast enough. He runs the place, he thinks, and there don't any potatoes or cabbages or anything of that sort come in without he tends to them. I don't know, but he counts every one. Anyway, you see that he's there before you deliver your goods. I ain't going to have any squabbles with him. He will as like as not say they never came at all if he doesn't happen to see them unloaded. If he isn't on hand when you get there, you hang around till he comes, if you have to stay till night. And, Stephen, don't you forget to stop in the village and ask Miss Bascombe for that pattern she promised me. I should think she might have had a chance to send it out before this time. I know Sarah Jane is about tired waiting for it. This direction came from a woman's voice in the doorway. While it was yet speaking, a small paned sash from an upper window was raised and a curly, reddish head appeared, whose owner shouted down her commission. "'Steve, you'll stop at the store and get me that green braid, won't you?' "'Oh, land!' said Stephen gruffly. "'I don't know a green braid from a blue one. How am I going to match a thing?' "'Why, they will match it for you. The clerk will, you know. All you have got to do is to take the piece out of your pocket and tell them you want one like it, and he will find it. I should think you might do that much when you are the only one who gets a chance to go to town. You get it, Steve. It will be real mean if you don't. Sarah Jane has been waiting weeks for that braid. This from the mother in the doorway. Steve looked sullen. I don't like to go to the store, he growled. I don't mind the grocery, nor the shop, nor any of them things, but that dry-goods store I do despise. That fellow behind the counter is all watch-chain and fingernails. He thinks he knows everything there is to know in life, and looks down on everybody that isn't behind a counter selling tape and braid and things. I wish Sarah Jane would do her own errands. She would in a minute if she had a chance, said the mother, but you know just as well as we do that she doesn't get to town once in an age. It is a shame, too. I meant to have her get in this summer to pick out her own things. If there had been room with the load, she might have gone with you this morning. Well, there ain't room, said the man at the gate, speaking briskly. It's a heavy uphill road, and the horses are old, and Steve and the potatoes and cabbages and light truck of all sorts is about all they can manage. I guess Steve can get what Sarah Jane needs if he tries. You tend to it, Steve, and show you know so much anyhow. Keep track of your money. Don't do no fooling with it. You will have to pay a quarter to get in at the gate, 
even if you don't stay half an hour. That is the cheating part of it. It is the way they make their money. Can't go in to sell a few potatoes and things without paying for the privilege. I call that cheating, but there is no use in growling. Poor folks have got to take what they find in this world. It is a pretty enough place when you get in, and lots of nice trees that you can set under and eat your dinner, and there is plenty of good water to drink, so you will have a comfortable time if you do have to wait. But don't you come home without seeing Baker. You won't get no money without he's there, and without the money I don't mean to have the things left. Come, get started. The sun is climbing higher every minute. It seems as though it took forever to get started anywhere from this house. I expect everything will go wrong because I can't be there to attend to it. And with a long-drawn sigh, the old, worn father turned and limped away toward the house, groaning with every step and muttering in an undertone against the rheumatism which held him prisoner instead of allowing him to attend to his own affairs. You have now been introduced to the Mitchell family, father, mother, Sarah Jane, and Stephen. As for the farmhouse, it would be easy enough to describe if that were worth while, a long, rather low, old-fashioned, dilapidated building, gray with age and neglect, with a shutter here and there hanging by one hinge, and among the many small paned windows was occasionally one which had lost a light of glass. It was a style of building which unfortunately is too common in some portions of our country, a broken-down, disheartened farmhouse that might once have been pretty and bright and full of life and cheer, but was now old and disappointed and dropping daily into ruin, a place which had marked indistinct letters on every window and door, and even on the old pump at the back of the house, the word failure. The picture is much the same wherever found, though the causes vary. Oftentimes it is shiftlessness, very often intemperance, occasionally ill health, sometimes a want of that mysterious quality well understood and distinctly felt but hard to describe, named gumption, and sometimes it might almost seem, even in this Christian land and under the banner of our Christian ideas, that the words ill luck would best tell the story of some dismal failures. There is such unaccountable, heart-wearing misfortune about everything which their hands touch or their minds plan. It is to be feared that Mr. Mitchell, had he been interviewed, would have attributed much of his trouble to that cause. I have worked hard, he used to say, putting his hands together so that fingers and thumbs matched, and then looking down upon them reflectively, while he spoke in a half-tremulous, half-querulous tone, "'I have worked hard. There ain't a neighbor around here but will tell you that. I've worked early and late, and contrived and planned and struggled, if ever a man did. And what does it all amount to? A mortgage on the farm, the interest of which eats up every dollar we can raise.' just a hand-to-mouth living from day to day in expectation that to-morrow there will be an end to that. That's about the way it goes. Everything run down, of course it is. House needs painting, barn needs painting, needs a new floor and a new door and a new barn anyway from beginning to end. 
the old wagon has to be tied together with ropes to keep it from going to pieces and it will go one of these days and spill the truck over in the road i dare say and now here's the rheumatism got hold of me right in the middle of summer i am about tuckered out an old man before my time there's jason burke he is three years older than i am if he is a day and look how smart he is they call him in his prime just as chirk is a young grasshopper he is wears his broadcloth and his gold watch and chain and i don't know what all and here i am limping along all weasoned up with rheumatism as gray as a rat and more than half my teeth gone him and me was brought up on the same fodder you may say his father's farm and mine joined my father's was the best by a good sight now he is judge burke and i am well i'm nobody his children are a dreadful smart lot they say joe gone to college and all that his daughter plays the piano and sings like a nightingale and jabbers two or three different languages though i don't know what good that does her or her father either and there is our sarah jane that has had no chance even of common schooling since she was a little girl twelve or thirteen years old had to be kept at work grind grind day in and day out her mother would have died if she hadn't had her help there was no other way to do in order to live after a spell i couldn't even afford the clothes that it would cost to fix her up for school then at last when her mother took sick sarah jane had to give up all hope of school there's steve he didn't take to books somehow maybe he would if he'd had a chance he went to school one whole winter and didn't learn enough to pay for the shoe leather that he wore out in walking there three miles walk from our place anyhow but he had the meanest kind of a teacher i have always thought if he had had a different one he wouldn't have hated his books so much as he appeared to but then maybe it was lucky he didn't care go on i don't know what we would have done with him if he had wanted to study i don't know what steve does want to do i'm sure he hates the farm and he hasn't got any gumption about a farm it is hard work to get him at it i would rather do a good stiff day's work myself any time than to keep him at it half a day here he is great strong fellow nineteen years old and what does he know about farming i've done my best to teach him too such was the style of talk in which farmer mitchell would often indulge of a summer evening perhaps as he sat tilted back in his armchair his gray head against the wall his eyes fixed contemplatively on his great bony wrinkled hands mrs mitchell sitting not far away from him in a little old-fashioned flag-bottomed rocker engaged generally either in darning with careful hand some glaring rent in steve's limited wardrobe or in setting a huge patch somewhere would answer first with a sorrowful little sigh and then generally with a patient attempt at comfort oh well father things ain't so bad with us but they might be worse the farm is mortgaged i know and the crops are a failure this year but maybe they won't be next and as for the children what if steve ain't no farmer 
he don't go loafing around the village or spend his time in the saloon playing cards and smoking and drinking and such things see how them lucas boys spend their time steve hasn't got any bad habits if he isn't a farmer or didn't take to books he hadn't any books to take to you know josiah smokes enough would mr mitchell respond grimly to these crumbs of comfort then would come again a gentle sigh from the mother's heart yes i know he smokes and i am dreadful sorry i always did hope that i would have a boy who didn't smoke i hated it when i was a girl somehow but then i don't know as it is strange everybody around here smokes and you know you do yourself josiah and why shouldn't he when you come to think of it i wish he did take more to farming but he don't so what's the use but as for sarah jane there aren't a smarter girl to do housework in the country around she turns off more work in a day i do believe than i ever could i wish sarah jane could have a chance she is young and strong and real quick about things it appears to me if she could have had a chance she might have done something i tell you josiah if we could only go to church regular there would be some hope of things that is the thing i worry about most i know it would josiah respond still in that half sullen voice which covered an undercurrent of disappointment i know all about it phoebe but how can i help it the horses are old and broken down just like their master they are tuckered out with their weekday work and the roads is awful heavy and hilly when the going is bad you know it is almost impossible to get back and forth and it seems to me the going is bad just two-thirds of the time in this country i know you do your best josiah would the mother reply in cheery tones and there ain't no use in worrying about any of it you just chirk up something will happen next spring or next fall or sometime things will get brighter the encouraging words always ended with that soft undertone sigh but they were always spoken and father mitchell though he smiled at them with a superior air of one who knew better was nevertheless more upheld by them than he himself dreamed and would have missed them oh so sorely if the voice which spoke them had been hushed as for sarah jane during this interchange of confidences she was generally upstairs in her own tucked-up low-ceilinged room at work nearly always for sarah jane was industrious and as contrivin as her mother used to say with a sort of sad admiration as contrivin as the next one so sarah jane's leisure moments were spent in contrivin something out of nothing or so near to nothing that those who have plenty to do with would have considered that word just the same for her resources sometimes it was a skirt that had been ripped carefully apart all the stitches picked out and the material sponged and pressed over which sarah jane bent laboriously hour after hour contriving and cutting without pattern or picture save that which was evolved from her own busy brain and the glimpse she had had of the bascom girls the last time she went to church perhaps they had fluttered in dressed in their pretty muslins or percales or some other rare and exquisite material whose name was unknown to sarah jane 
and their draperies had shaped themselves in a different manner from any which sarah jane had worn her quick eyes would study details while they all stood during the opening hymn while the morning lesson was read wonderful words from the grand old book alas alas sarah jane would be wondering if the skirt of her blue dress couldn't be cut over to look something like theirs why did sarah jane care whether her dress looked something like theirs or like its old-fashioned self who was to see it save the hens that she fed every morning and the turkeys who nearly always sickened and died before thanksgiving came around and a stray peddler now and then and on very rare occasions a country neighbor who came to sit for an hour on a leisure afternoon but the loneliness of her life seemed never to be a reason to sarah jane why she should not remodel her scant wardrobe to the very best of her abilities the truth is sarah jane mitchell tingled to her fingers ends with energy and actually had not enough in her stunted life to exhaust its power she washed and ironed and baked and boiled and brewed she was a marvel of strength and skill in the eyes of her frail always tired mother yet at the close of a busy day in which there had been farm hands to feed and farm kitchens to scrub and when the mother who had been permitted to shoulder only the lesser share of the burden quivered in every nerve in her body with weariness sarah jane dashed off the tea dishes with eager fingers her busy brain the while engaged in planning an assault upon some waist or skirt or sack or bonnet which she intended to make over if she had had books it is possible she would have read them if she had had neighbors it is altogether probable she would have gone to visit them but there were no near neighbors and the horses were always tired and steve hated neighbors anyway so there could be almost no social interchange of life and there were no newspapers except the weekly agricultural which aside from the articles on carrots beets and potatoes and all the other belongings of farm life was weekly as well there were almost no books at all save the bible at which sarah jane looked reverently respecting it always because it was a book they read out of at church and because it was well of course it was the bible and every decent-minded person did respect it but it was a perfectly sealed book to her and was literally not opened by her fingers from one year's end to another though she dusted it carefully every time she made her weekly dash upon the best room and swept it furiously and put it in its dreary order to be undisturbed until her next assault what was there left for sarah jane to do but rip and sponge and press and make over her clothes the result was amusing to the bascom girls and would have been bewildering to those still above their set but to sarah jane it was satisfaction her things were different at least and she did grow so tired of them made in the same old way and it was so impossible to have new ones except when absolute necessity came her only relief was to put them into some other form End of chapter one